Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now, if you think drugs in sport are serious, Chris Eaton, a former federal police officer and corruption fighter, says doping is just, he terms it, a sideshow when you compare it to claims of betting fraud in Australian sport. Based on 40 years of experience in security and international law enforcement, he says the claims of match-fixing and results manipulations is a vastly more serious problem. Chris Eaton says sport must be clean and... Social betting. I'm sure he's onto something. The way betting linked with sports has skyrocketed in recent years and the way it's changed. Without the enormous amounts of money involved, who'd be surprised to see some darker forces at work? And I think we need to shine a light on the escalation of this kind of gambling, not as a wowser. But if people like Chris Eaton are saying it is a vastly more serious problem than the drugs... We'd do well to be more aware of it, especially with these claims of match-fixing. I mean, what do we believe anymore? Another man who's done a great deal of work in this area is the anti-gambling campaigner and independent senator from South Australia, Nick Xenophon, who's called on sporting codes to actually sever links with betting agencies. Senator Xenophon joins us now on Open House. Nick Xenophon, welcome. Pleasure. Senator, is there a way of measuring the rate of growth in the sports betting field in particular in these recent years? Well, there is through the online sports betting agencies that are licensed in Australia, and we know that it's grown exponentially in the last 10 years. It's gone up from about $880 million a decade ago to over $3.3 billion in the last 10 years. So it has been uh, an incredible growth, of course, fueled by new technology. Uh, with your iPhone, with your smartphone, you really can bet virtually any time, any place. And it's that ease of access, that ability to bet almost instantly that makes it so alluring. And of course, it's the micro-betting in sports, that ball-by-ball betting that really hooks people in. Yes, there's been quite a focus on micro-betting since the release of this Crime Commission report. Can you explain to us in simple terms what that is and why you're so concerned about micro-betting? Well, traditionally we've had, let's say what it isn't, uh, if you are betting on the outcome of a game, uh, whether a team wins or loses, that's pretty straightforward. And interestingly, in Canada... That's all you can do, but you can only bet on multiple games because they don't want to focus on an individual game. And there was a big debate in the community and parliament just uh, two or three months ago about that. Micro-betting is basically ball-by-ball betting. Who's going to kick the first goal? Who's going to get the first kick? Who'll get the first mark? Um, You know, who'll get the first um, sixer in the cricket? Um, You know, who'll get the first LBW or first duck? All those sorts of things are micro-events. And it really does give you macro opportunities for corruption in the sense that it's much easier for one player to be on the take, um, on a fix in relation to that. Whereas to try and fix an AFL game, I suggest, would be um, pretty well impossible with 18 players having to be involved. And it's clear from this report, and in fact from other cases in the past, that this has been happening. Well, yes, it is. But what this report says, the Australian Crime Commission report, the reason why it's so disturbing is that it says that there is a clear link between organised crime and drugs in sport. And as a result of that, as a result of players taking illicit substances, whether it's performance enhancing, enhancing drugs or whether it's uh, cocaine or, or ecstasy or other amphetamines, is that 
once they get in that circle, the athlete gets in that circle, they are then compromised to corruption. And that's what the Australian Crime Commission made very clear. And that corruption, obviously, can take the form of match-fixing where there's an easy way to pay off your gambling debts, it's an easy way to pay off any drug debts, or to, if you're being blackmailed, it really is uh, a way to uh, avoid being sprung publicly if you're being blackmailed. So all those things add to a pretty potent mix in terms of just increasing the risk of corruption in sport. So what the Crime Commission has had to say, has that really not surprised you then? Look, uh, it takes a lot to surprise me (laughs) being involved in politics, but I think it's fair to say that when you have a body as um, such as the Australian Crime Commission, when it has investigated this for 12 months, when it has has pulled no punches in its findings then that's a wake-up call for every Australian sporting code. So I guess the language has surprised me. I, You know, you suspect these things, but getting the evidence, getting a body such as the Australian Crime Commission, um, spelling it out in the way that it has, really says we're at the crossroads when it comes to Australian sports. You've expressed this concern about the link between the sporting codes and betting agencies. How close are some of those links, and what are the risks there in your view? There are risks, and let me make this clear. I'm not suggesting that any of the betting agencies licensed in Australia have are doing anything untoward other than by virtue of offering the bets, it makes it easier for people to place those bets, and some of those people may have uh, links to organised crime. May uh, make, It makes it easier to mask corrupt behaviour if an activity is legalised and many thousands of bets have been placed. But what concerns me is that the AFL and other sporting codes say that they're ahead of the game. That's what Andrew Dimitro said from the AFL just a couple of days ago. Well, you know, I've met Andrew Dimitro. I know he's passionate about the AFL and he's passionate about the integrity of the code. I accept that. But they can't be ahead of the game given what we've seen with the revelations only today uh, in relation to Essendon. And the real risk is that if you have um, commercial arrangements with online bookies, and I understand with just the NRL, there's one online bookie who has signed a $50 million sponsorship deal over several years. Now, if you're talking about that sort of money and much more, I think it creates potential conflict of interest. If you leave it to the codes to regulate the sport, if you leave it to the codes to work out what's best for issues of integrity and preventing uh, corruption... And that would, of necessity, involve having a look at micro-bets with the potential with micro-betting for greater corruption. But they're also getting a sponsorship deal. I think it puts those codes in a real quandary, and I think they need to sever those links. I wonder if the links are so close, and especially the money so large, even by now, that the clubs won't be able to pull back from that. Look, I read a really interesting comment in the um, monthly um, that publication uh, not so long ago, which basically said, um, where one of the betting agencies said, well, you know, there are cash-trapped clubs and they need the money and they've come to depend on the money. And he wasn't saying it in a sinister way. He was just saying in a matter-of-fact way, Mm. these clubs need the dough and they can get the dough from us. And obviously, the more money these betting agencies get, the more they can sponsor. And that obviously means that if the code said, look, no more micro-betting, no more ball-by-ball no more ball betting, that will obviously reduce 
their revenue of the betting agencies and that will probably reduce sponsorship. So that's where the dilemma is. Let me ask you this. Are you an optimist or a pessimist now that the genie is out of the bottle? Can Australian sport clean up this corruption, have its integrity returned? Can the genie be put back? I'm I'm always an optimist. Otherwise, I would have resigned many years <laughs> ago. Yes. Look, it's in a democracy, it's never too late. It's about political will. Ministers Jason Clare and Kate Lundy said some strong stuff at the press conference just a few days ago. I believe them. They're both decent, genuine people, but then we need to show political will. And one of the reasons I made the call, and you know, it was a big call to say, let's suspend all sports betting until we clean things up. It's because both ministers said a number of things need to be done in terms of strengthening the integrity of sporting codes. And my view is that with this Australian Crime Commission report, let's do those things straight away. Um, and that might take three or four weeks. It might take three or four months, but the sooner we do it, the better, and then let's have a long-term ban on micro-betting. Look, it's about political will, and we need to change the culture of gambling and sport because when so many parents tell me stories such as, you know, my six-year-old is running around the house quoting, shouting the odds for the game, then you know there's something pretty wrong. Senator Nick Sernifon, very much appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Open House. Thanks. Thanks, Lee. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.